Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. The book of Luke, verses chap, uh, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told him a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. This is uh, our final sermon, our message on stewardship, um, which is about being in charge of that which does not belong to you. We had a number of messages about, about money and uh, you know, material wealth. And last week, we had a message about stewarding our talents and our gifts. Remember about that? And I know this, this passage seems to talk about, well, money, but... Really, um, I actually want to use this passage to talk about time. Today, we're going to talk about stewarding your time. How do you think about your time? Um, th- there's no way you could really cover this subject adequately in one message, but um, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of hit one message and give you some um, principles. Because will we be a church that thinks about our life and our time, and uh, will we be filled with people that are not so distracted and wasting our lives away. That's, that's, when I look at our valley, this place, Silicon Valley, what I see is people um, just running around incredibly busy, but um, their lives are just kind of being frittered away. And I'm not just saying they, that's me, that's us. I hope somewhat less me because I hope I'm following after Jesus and, and more eternal things. But um, that's, we're all prone to this. And um, that's what I want to talk about today. So let's get into it today. Part one, um, wasting our lives, right? That's what I want, part two, part one. Wasting our lives. Part two, the gospel as the North Star for priorities. There's a lot of good things we want to do with our time. Some of the things we want to do with our time maybe not so good, but it, it isn't so much that, you know, stop doing these evil things. I hope you're not doing too many evil things, but stop doing these evil things. It's often we... We don't know how to figure out what is the bigger and deeper things, the richer things, the truly eternal riches. So the gospel as the North Star for priorities. And then I want to close by talking about the time stewardship of Jesus. Part three, the time stewardship. How did Jesus steward his time? Okay. So let's get into this part one. Um, I know it's a bit of a strange uh, text uh, when we're talking about time, but when I think about our place where we live, I, I think about this passage, this, this, uh, this, this little parable that, that Jesus gives. I think it's almost a perfect description of this place. There's a, there's a man, um, 
you know, it says, who, do, who made me, uh, Jesus, who made me the uh, arbitrator over you because there's some dispute about inheritance, a really big deal, especially in this culture. It still happens today, but, you know, it tends not to be as public. And then he says this, um, and then he says this thing, verse 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. And then he said this parable, the land of a rich man produced plentifully and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I've nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, do you guys talk to your soul? You do. Okay. You do. Okay. And so you got this voice going on. I will say to myself, all right. I'll take, we don't say my soul, but we say to myself, I will say to my soul, soul, self, Susang, right? You have a lot of money. <laughs> That's basically You have ample goods stored up for many years. And then now what? Relax, eat, drink, enjoy your life. Now, let me just ask you, isn't this what everybody wants in Silicon Valley? <laughs> this is exactly what everybody wants. It's just that they don't put their goods into a barns. I mean, back then, I mean, you have to, you know, they're the... Your wealth was kind of furry and, um, and, and was more, you know, you know, built on plant life, okay? And so you have to have some physical space. But today, your wealth is a bunch of digits sitting in, you know, your 401k or something like that. It's uh, when people look at the equity in your house, it's, it's that number getting bigger and bigger. That's the kind of thing that we, we talk about. But I, I wanted to start talking about this because... If you just ask, what do most people do in Silicon Valley, in this city? How do we spend our time? It's this. What we do is, it's a place that, where the land produces plentifully. That's, that's the way it says in this passage, right? This is one of the most important economic producing places in the world, right? It's also, it has to be just to afford to live here, right? And it, it's part of it. It all goes together. A lot of money, a lot of produce, let's put it that way, is produced here, and then, and then that's also why the housing is so darn expensive here. And so then, well, you know, in this case, in this guy, this guy's actually done pretty well, and then what's he going to do? Okay, he's going to, no, let's make more. <laughs> Isn't that what we do? Why do we have to make more? Because you have to have enough so that one day you could say to yourself, soul, <laughs> You can say this. You, can, you don't exactly say it that way, but you can say to yourself, hey, you have enough saved up for many years. You can now relax, eat, drink, and enjoy your life. That's what it says. Isn't that what we want? So the mark of great success in our city is like, so you work, 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 work. I mean, and some of you young people, you work really, really hard and long hours. And then you guys know that a lot of the people in this city some younger and some older, especially the younger people, is before you get married and have children, they know they could work you 70, 80 hours a week, and they do. And then they send out this little carrot, this little carrot called like an ownership stake or stock options. And what is that carrot for? It's so that your barn can get bigger. <laughs> and then afterwards you can say, I can, re I can retire at the age of 30 or 40, or whatever it is, and then I can enjoy 
all that I have. That's what it's about, right? So um, you get it this way. In, in the, the hook is covetousness. Or that's, that's the way Jesus puts it. You guys understand what covetousness is? It's wanting what somebody else has. It's pretty much the en- entire engine of the whole valley <laughs> and the material possessions. And the, but Jesus specifically says it this way. That's not all there is to life. You should be really careful about this. It, there's, a, there's a trap here. And so then that's why he tells this story. And then what is what we're looking for? Well, you'll have enough. Today we call that security. If you have enough, and then we can enjoy all the goods. Then we call that pleasures, entertainment, great vacations, good stuff. We can enjoy the stuff, right? Well, isn't that where pretty much all the time goes? <laughs> so we're either working for the stuff to get security, and then we're enjoying it. <laughs> but we're bas- we basically, we almost, most of us really don't have a whole lot of time to enjoy it. And, and then this is pretty much where most of life is going. Now, I'm not trying to be overly tough about this, but we've got to wrestle with this. So Jesus, in the story, God has a description of this guy. And what is that description? He's a fool. <laughs> it's not a fun description. And so think about it this way. This is Silicon Valley, smartest people on the, on the planet, right? And um, they, this is the most expensive place in the whole country of, of, the, of the richest country in the world. And, and God's description for the pattern of the way we spend all our energy and our time here is that we're fools. That's tough, isn't it? Um. There's a, there's a book by, um, by J- uh, Pastor John Piper. I mean, he, he was really blunt about this. If you, the opening chapter of his book, it's, it's, the name of the book is Don't Waste Your Life. And you know what the opening chapter is? He tells you about a guy who did this. They made a lot of money, and then he retired when he was like 35 years old. And now he hangs out with his wife collecting seashells off like some fancy beach. And what John Piper says, that's what you want you to do with your life? collect seashells because now you have lots of money and you can go to whatever beach you want. And he's being pretty tough, but he's basically echoing this passage. Now, that's the way he put it. Don't waste your life. Um, I want to ask you a, 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 a big question. How much of your life is being wasted? 50%? 70%? of your waking time hours. It's probably a lot. Even if it's 20%, that's, that's a lot, <laughs> right? 20%. Let's say you live to 100 and you wasted 20% of your life. 20 years of your life. If you're at 20% in Silicon Valley, you're, you're, you're way ahead of the curve. That's a lot of time going down the drain, isn't it? So, that's the first thing I want, to add. I want to just challenge you. Where's all our time going? It's like this, really. And maybe we could think a little about that. Now, like we know we got to work, but what, why do you work? So you can get bigger and bigger barns and more and more stuff. Maybe, you know, you work and then hopefully there's some kind of purpose and talent like we talked about last week that you could live to use to bless our city and, ble- and, and, and live for Jesus. Or, you know, of course, we also need to pay the bills and we need to support our family. But just exactly how much do you make? How much do you got to have? 
I want to really ask you that question. How much do you really, really got to have? Because it really asks this question about time. It really, really does. How much time will you put for all these other things so that you can actually get to things that are bigger and more and richer? It's a really important question. Do you have to be in a 2,000 square foot house? Do you have to own that house? Do you have to have a car that's less than five years old? Does your kid have to go to the best schools? I mean, I, I, this is really real, isn't it? And I'm not even talking about money. I'm talking about something actually more valuable than money, which you can't ever get back. I'm talking about your time. You can get more money, but you're not going to get more time. I mean, just, okay, that second's gone. That second's gone. It's never coming back. Okay, right? And... Um, so that's the first thing I want to say. That's one, like just the general, like what we fill our life pursuit with, it's really about covetousness. So let me just pick up a, a couple other things, right? So if that's one huge one, you know, here's a second. Let me give you three other big time wasters. A second one, which is first we'll be covetous for me. And then so like, I don't mean to be mean here, moms and dads, but then we'll be covetous for my kids, <laughs> will be covetous for my kids. And so, um, you know, like my son recently, he, he, he's really smart, did really well, and he didn't quite get into some of the schools. He got waitlisted at a number of schools. And when I saw that, I was going, wow, that's crazy. But you know what I'm finding out? Man, community college is good. <laughs> that's what I'm finding out. <laughs> I'm going, man, maybe my younger child should study less. <laughs> and... You know, like she wants to do drama or art, cool. <laughs> you know? And, and if a couple of our grades go down, who cares? <laughs> Maybe that'd be good. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up. <laughs> Save two years of tuition on college. Get some of my favorite people. Get two more years with my children. You don't think those years matter? Right? And so, less money, more time. So, but, oh, I, I, I want them to go to these really great top schools. And then if they don't get to those really top schools, they maybe not get, this, get into a really good graduate school. And if they'll get this really good graduate school, they won't make as much money. And if they don't make as much money, then they can't live here. <laughs> so, I mean, it's bad enough for competition for me. And it, and it starts young. You got to give every kid, every little head start. Do you know that in, 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 around the Bay Area, people are competing to preschool? Moms and dads, forget preschool, okay? <laughs> I just say forget it, but it's really not that important. I, I, we put our kids through preschool. I think they could have skipped it, quite frankly. <laughs> and it's expensive because they just think, if my kid doesn't get into this preschool, he won't get into Stanford. Trust me, it won't make any difference whether your kid goes into Stanford, okay? <laughs> so... You know, like, like it's, that's, but that spirit is like in everything. Get them into sports now. <laughs> they got to be a soccer superstar. Oh, get them into music now. <laughs> they got to be fluent in Spanish now. That, that, that was me, okay? But now that my kid's a little older, I'm thinking maybe it was covetousness. Maybe mostly I'm the leader, I'm the pastor, but maybe I'm thinking, maybe deep down it's, covetousness or fear 
fear that there won't be enough if we don't, you know, like make all this stuff happen for the kids. And so I wonder, did I just waste a lot of my time in my parenting? Sorry, kids. <laughs> I get to listen to sermon. I'm, I've been thinking about this for like three weeks, okay? Um, second one, that's a huge time waster. I seriously think, man, maybe that was a big time waster. How about another one? Um, you guys have a little device in your pocket. Some starts with an I, some starts with an Android. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay? All right? You guys know what I'm talking about? A number of years ago, I was a late adopter to the smartphone. So it became iPhone 4S before I got one. Because I lived in Philadelphia, and they're, so, you know, they're like 15 years behind, okay? <laughs> so then I moved out here, and one of my friends said, you got to get this, you got to get this, you got to get this. So I get this thing, and I love it. <laughs> I was like, yes, oh, you could do this, and you could do this. But then about three months later, I was hanging out with a young brother that I hadn't seen in a while, and then he saw that my iPhone, it was 4S, which wasn't even the coolest one at the time, and he said, Pastor, how do you like that? And then I sat there and went like this. And then, because I paused and my face kind of went like this, then he was like, <laughs> then he kind of got this interesting look. He was like, oh, <laughs> this isn't going to be an interesting conversation. And I looked at him and I said, I love my tools. If you guys know me, uh, you know, like I literally carry tools in my pocket. <laughs> I go, but every tool that I've ever had, I've always felt like I owned it, I controlled it. This is the first tool I ever had that I wasn't so sure. <laughs> I don't own it. I don't control it. I have to time think it owns me. It controls me. <laughs> and let me tell you something. The thing that I hate about it the most, it's just, the, it's like this super fountain of distraction. <laughs> it's like out of my pocket, it's super distraction. I used to be able to just focus and read and pray and have real conversations. And now... It's hard, and I'm good at those things. I'm not ADD, okay? At least I didn't used to be, but like now I wonder, <laughs> okay? I can focus. I can concentrate a long time. I can read long essays and focus. I can pray a long time. I like having long lunches with people, and it's harder now <laughs> because this beautiful device, which is basically a curse device, Maybe it's a Trojan horse from the devil to make us just distract us and just waste our lives. So I, I'm, not the, I'm not a good person to give you advice about this, but we got to be really, really suspicious. Just turn the sucker off sometimes. Don't answer the text, okay? And tell everybody, if I don't answer the text right away, it's not because I'm rude. <laughs> it's because I got to have a life and I'm not going to be controlled to this thing, okay? Just please. It's too much. I mean, don't, kids, I mean, younger, you younger guys, you, didn't, you never grew up in a time when you didn't have this smartphone. Let me tell you something, it's messed up. <laughs> I, I've lived bo both times. It's better the other way. <laughs> if I had my way, we would get rid of all smartphones and we'd everybody just have at best a dumb phone, that's it. If I had my way, that's what we'd do. And then we can go back to being human beings again, all right? We actually have conversations, but let's get off that a little. But that's a third one. I mean, one more. Um, 
So I, I, I know you're, getting, you're feeling really guilty here now, but so let's just one more. Okay, let me just really stick this knife in really good. <laughs> okay? How much time do you spend on entertainment? Netflix? YouTube? Hulu? Right? Movies? Uh, this one's in our house now. K-drama? K-drama? Oh, gosh. K-drama. All right? I'm like this, when I watch it, I'm like, oh, it's so fun. It's so evil. I have to watch the next episode. <laughs> I must know what happens. These, and then they're so good. These people who write this stuff, they're so good. They, re, they seriously know how to like addict you. It's like TV cocaine. It's horrible, all right? Like, it's just, 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 just careful, please. Are you in control of it? Are you, or is it control you? Now, that's the bad news. We waste our lives. So, obviously, I'm not here to condemn you. At least, I hope it's obvious. I'm not here to condemn you. We're all in this. We all stink at this. <laughs> We're all enslaved. We're all addicted. We're all wasting our lives away. This is what we do in this city. This is what we're like. Okay? But, there's hope and there's wisdom and there's better ways. We can repent. We can live deeper ways. We can live richer ways. Okay? Yes? Yes. And there needs to be a community that lives for something bigger, more. They have more joy. They have more purpose. They have more love. <laughs> That's what our church needs to be, right? Now let's go to part two. The gospel as a North Star for priorities. That's the way I want to put it. I, I want to give you uh, some principles here. So... If you don't believe in God or you're not sure there's a God and, you know, you consider you're like maybe a secular kind of person and you're like, well, what does this, this religion stuff have any power? Especially this Christianity stuff. Let me give you, this is a really important one. How do you know what's more important in your life? Because you just feel that it is? I mean, maybe the thing that you think is important is an enslavement. <laughs> so for you, you're like, I got to make more, 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 more money. And then, of course, then, then your boss owns you. <laughs> and now he gets to enslave you because you think it's already important, but maybe it's an enslavement. How do you know? Well, oh, no, I, I got to go out and get the love of my life. And then, you know, there's some pretty girl out there. She just knows she got you. <laughs> she just has you. Now, hopefully you won't, she won't manipulate you and destroy you, but that happens. <laughs> so how do you know? Because you got to have a North Star. you got to have something bigger. Something that puts order to it. The higher things are higher. And the things that last forever, guess what? They, they're the things that last, that, that are more. You know, you could just know this. Like, if it lasts, and it's going to be valuable tomorrow, it's going to be valuable 100 years from now, it's going to be valuable like a million years from now, isn't that the most, isn't that the thing that's of higher priority? It is, isn't it? Um, and the thing, when I think about this, um, there's a, I'm a big sports fan. That's, that's a big place where I, a lot of my time gets wasted, <laughs> okay? Um, I mean, it's good, but, you know, we just have to have some self-control here, and I'm not good at that, okay? Um, but, you know, like, I'm like, okay, I'm only going to read one preseason football article today. That's it. <laughs> only one, okay? That's it. And, uh, but there's this phrase in, in, in sports, Championships are forever. Championships are forever. Oh, it's up there. 
Let me tell you something. That's a total lie. <laughs> that's a complete piece of garbage, right? I'll, I'll prove it. Who won the Super Bowl in 1982? Do you know anybody know? All right. Who won the Super Bowl in 2002? You are still alive. <laughs> it's not history. <laughs> it's in your lifetime. We don't know. Yeah, championships are forever. Nobody even cares. 17 years later. And yet, I know some people care, but then they'll die, and then, and then nobody will care. <laughs> that's sad, but that's the truth, right? Um, yeah, I'm one of the people who cares, and then I'll die, and then nobody will care about the A's. <laughs> already, already so few people care about the A's, all right? Um, let me give you a verse. So I want to give you some pieces of like how to, how to, how to, how to be inside. This is one of the biggest ones. So I already gave you this verse. And it seems to sound about money, but I want you to think about time. So this is 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. If you sow of things that will die tomorrow and aren't very important, you're not going to sow much that's valuable and lasting. But if you sow the things that are really rich and important, you'll reap. It's actually a much, it's even more important as a principle about time than it is about money, I think. So let's just talk a little about what lasts the most. Let's get really blunt here. Do you, I'm, the, I'm not, okay, we, God is forever. Okay, fine, all right? You know, some of you are like, is God around? I'm not even sure if for real. Okay, you Christians say God is forever. Okay, there's three things on this earth, according to the scripture, that last forever. Number one, his word. This is going to stand forever. I know that people think that they can stamp this thing out, that this book is just like any other religious book. It's that's totally not true. The word is going to stand forever. All right? Second, you know what else forever? This is really interesting. People. Every person you meet has an eternal destiny. A lot of them, it's not a good one. <laughs> people are valuable. And here's the third thing that really is last forever. If you're in Christ anyway, love in Christ. I told you this at the beginning of this, at this series. All that you do and all that you give in Christ, with Christ, for Christ, especially love. Because in this world, we're afraid to love because people die. But in Christ, they are resurrected. And whatever love you've given them is theirs forever. And whatever love you've given them, they'll give back to you forever. And everything that's really good will not be forgotten. And thankfully, all that we've ever done that is wicked will be washed away. That's the gospel. And if that's the gospel, man, it just changes everything about what is valuable and how we use our time, doesn't it? That's an incredible North Star. His word, the people, and the love you get, and the love you give. <laughs> That's where our time should go. That's where our time should go. <laughs> if your time goes there, you'll be unbelievably rich forever. <laughs> if you watch a lot of K-drama, <laughs> oh, sure, maybe. Maybe there's something interesting in there every now and then, all right? 
Let me give you a second. Let me give you a second. Well, let me give you three pieces of like some practical wisdom. That's the first one, just the big, big, bigger principles. Will you sow and let the gospel be so God's word, people, and love? Get good at those three things. Most of us aren't good at those three things. Let me give you three, um, I think, some practical pieces of wisdom, right? This one I got from Rick Warren. And uh, Rick Warren is pithy. I'm not so pithy. I'm long-winded, okay? But Rick Warren is good. He has, like, good, concise, little punchy things. And one of the things he talks about, a piece of wisdom that he likes to give his people, um, his church. You guys don't, you guys do know Rick Warren. He's the only one of the most pe- famous pastors in the whole world, okay? Purpose-driven life, that Rick Warren, okay? And uh, Rick Warren, I heard him say this at a conference. He said, if you're going to be steward, a good steward of your life, you should think about first fruits, what you give first. So here's how he puts it. Give God the first part of your day. Give God the first day of the week. And give God the first fruits of your income. I won't get into a message too much about tithing. We already talked plenty about money. But how about those first two? Give God the first part of your day. Give God the first day of the week. You do that every day. You do that week in, week out. Even if you waste a lot of other time in the rest of the day, <laughs> that's a pretty good day. <laughs> you give God 15 minutes at the beginning of the day. You hear his word. You pour out your heart. Maybe at the beginning of the day, you're filled with anxiety. Or you're like, I just need some, I just want to be around you, Jesus, today. Just help me. You know, that's a good 10, 15 minutes. That'll change your day. One day a week. I, I mean, from this, I, I've just learned so many things. Um, so you know, I'll, I'll say it the next, I'll say it next. But um, that's the that's a first one. First part of the day. I'm not too good at that. I'm not really a good morning person, but I'm trying. I do like to give the Lord a whole day, right? A whole day. And, and then, of course, the first part of your, your wealth. I'll give you another one. Another piece of practice. I read a book called Entree Leadership by Dave Ramsey. You guys heard of Dave Ramsey? He's a famous radio program. He's a Christian, actually. And he gives, he gives people um, financial advice. I mean, I've listened to the program. He's pretty good generally. I don't agree with everything he says on the financial advice. But I read a portion of this book, and this is the part I really remember. I thought this was really, really great. So um, I asked our brother um, um, project this. So think of your time in four buckets. The first two, important and urgent. Important and not urgent. Important and urgent. So you, got, you see, like, if you have four boxes in your mind... I, I call them A, B, C, D. A is important and urgent. B is important, not urgent. And then there's another two box. He calls them not important, yet urgent. Not important and not urgent. Right? So you see, see all those four boxes? Now just think for a moment. Where's your time going? In those four boxes. Those four boxes. Where's your time going? And let the gospel be the North Star and start reshaping how much goes into those boxes. Now, he gave this piece of advice, which I thought was really good. 
If it's urgent, we, we live on the tyranny. It's not urgent. We got to take care of it. It's important. Well, we got to do it now. We better take care of it. Okay. Um, oh my goodness. The SAT is a month from now. I better study for it. <laughs> right. Oh, the taxes are like next week. I better like take care of it. That's important. Right. And it's urgent. But you know what he says? Most of us are terrible at important, but not urgent. We're not good at, it's important, but not urgent. How about getting a good night's sleep? How about going on a date night with your spouse? Oh, we've been married for 15 years. We never go on dates. Important, but not urgent. Yeah, but that's not good. (laughs) If you're married and you don't go on dates, let me say something. That's not good, right? Um, Important, but not urgent. Maybe game time with your kids. It's important, but not urgent. We don't do these things. How about just some good extended time in prayer? Do do you ever do this two or three times a year? Do you ever set aside maybe a whole afternoon, two or three hours, and you write down all the important things that you're afraid of and you want to lift up to God? And you just think back to the last three to six months, all the important things that God has done. Have you ever thought about that? And just spend that time with him and just collect and assess. I do this about every two or three times a year. Let me tell you, it's important, but not urgent. I I should do this more like four times a year, but I do it like two times a year. If you do this for two hours, important, but not urgent, it'll give you power in your life. I promise you. Just keep a journal. Write it down. These are the three big things that are in my life. Pray about them. Oh, I want to pray for these three big things in my life. Pray about them. And they say, what did God do? Write them down. And you'll be amazed at what's there. If you just keep doing it, six months later, you'll be amazed at what's there. You're going to look, oh, this is what I pray for. Oh, he did this. Oh my gosh, he did this. Oh my, you, you love me. Jesus, you love me. How can it be? <laughs> You really love me. Important, but not urgent. How about you got the, you know, somebody, you got a, a Christian, you got a non-Christian coworker, a little time to go spend with them. Ask them how they're doing. Invite them over dinner. Important, but not urgent. Um, you know, we've been thinking about some of the people who are hurting in our city. And I can't spend like all kinds of time with them, but maybe twice a year we could go make a difference. Be mindful of people hurting in our city and remember how blessed we are. Important, but not urgent. When you think about shaping your, your, your life this way. Ever since I read this book, I started thinking, you know what I need to do? I know all the things that are urgent, both important and not urgent, and they usually run my life. Not important, not urgent. I mean, they barely get any attention from me. Like bucket number four, like doesn't get much attention from me, okay? But, um, but important, but not urgent. I kind of said, man, I'm, I'm terrible at this. And just took a piece of repentance. That's when I started like marking down all the kid days that my kids half off of school. I'm going to take them out to lunch that day. And it's a simple thing. And it's been really, really good. So important, I think. All right, one more thing I want to say before I close out this message about a piece of practical advice. All right, 
this is, we're going into launch. The importance of being faithful to church. Okay, I don't want to sound like I'm scolding here, but um, when I was younger, the people who really knew God, they never missed church. Like never. <laughs> my mom and dad, in all my years of growing up, I remember them missing church once. Like once, one time. And it was so weird, I remember it. And it was like a super crazy rainy day. All the roads were blocked and I couldn't believe it when my dad gave up trying to get to San Francisco because we lived on the East Bay to go to church. I was like, wow, we're going to miss church. That's crazy. Now, why am I saying that? I'm not telling you to practice religion. If you really know who you are, you're a really broken person. Every day you're wasting your life. Every day you're filled with lust, greed, anger, unforgiveness, self-hatred, resentment. That's in you. That's just your average week. Don't you think you should come to church and let the gospel wash over you and give you wisdom and give you forgiveness? And so you can sing this like we sang it today. Jesus, you love me. Oh, yeah. I hate myself this week. You know, Wednesday, I looked at that stuff on the internet. And all day Thursday and Friday, I just pretty much hated myself. <laughs> but wait a second. The real truth is, Jesus, you love me. This is the bottom thing. And then you go and be around all the other brothers and sisters. They're being freed. And let me say, so it's, it's really important to your kids. There are many, you can't, I can't even tell you how many times when I was a young man, when I did want, not want to go to church. I wanted football. I wanted to hang out with this girl. I just wanted to, do, I just wanted to sleep in because I stayed up late doing stupid stuff on Saturday night. And I didn't want to go to church. But just because my mom and dad said, God is most important and we desperately need him. They didn't say that. They just showed it every single week. I just dragged my butt out of bed and went to church. And it only took about 15 minutes to go, oh, man, I need this. I need this. Huh? And that's honestly the minimum. <laughs> just going to church to worship every week. And then I started realizing I need my brothers and sisters. So then I went to small group. We call it GLF. In our, I said, I'm just going to go. Oh, I got a midterm tomorrow, the day after that. Who cares? We'll let God take care of that. But I'm going to have to stay up all night, I guess. I guess, right? And I'm not saying that because I'm some holy roller. You know what I found out? It was a great use of time. <laughs> That's what I found out. And some of you guys think that I'm godly and I really got something with Jesus, right? Well, if I didn't do these things, I would have probably wrecked my life and wrecked my marriage and screwed a lot of things up and I wouldn't be able to teach you anything and I'd be a much worse pastor today if I ever be a pastor at all. Because thankfully, my mom and dad taught me something important. <laughs> and I learned it. They didn't do it by scolding and they never yelled at me and they never just said it. They just said, let's get and go, let's go. And they showed it. <laughs> they showed it. That's how I learned it. So let's quickly review. So, and what you reap. Two, your first fruits, first part of each day, first day of the week, and of course, and the first part.
parts of your wealth. Three, important but not urgent, okay? That's an important bucket. And four, be faithful to church. Just lock it down. Just lock it down, okay? Our brother drove in from Bishop today and he made it to church. That's like awesome. And is it a surprise that the moons, they got it going on with Jesus? That's not disconnected, guys. All right, it's not disconnected. Let's close. How did Jesus use his time? How did Jesus use his time? Well, I got to get into the best schools. And I'm going to, you know, drive a Tesla. Is that how Jesus used his time? Jesus followed God's word. And then he sought people. He sought us so much. He paid for it. You know, there was a day he spent. He spent it on a cross. He bled. He forgave. He washed. All our death went on him. All our curse went on him. That was how he spent his time. He ate with sinners. He healed the brokenhearted. He healed the rejected. He challenged the self-righteous. And he loved us. And now he's going to get to love us forever and ever. And we're going to get to love and be loved forever and ever. He did this so he can give you riches. He did this so that our time would not be 80 years and 100 years that we waste and we're just like scared little animals and hopefully we get to be fat and rich on the right side of the rat cage. (laughs) Instead, so he could make us divine. He could say, I will give you forever time, forever love, forever laughter, forever joy. And that love will no longer have like this little poison of lies and phoniness and bad agendas and wickedness and lust and anger and all these other things that are in there the way we do it. That's the time he wanted to give us. So brothers and sisters, this is the way God gave us time. Let's learn to live in that time. Let's learn to live in that time. We start here. It'll make eternity so rich. Not everybody's equally rich. I already told you this, right? In eternity. Those who live in this time this way will have the biggest love, the biggest joy. We'll all have love and joy. It'll be intensely bigger. So start today. And we all get this by gift because this is how Jesus used this time for us. Let's pray. Lord, you give us this incredible gift called life and of time. And we are so poor at using it for the things that matter. But give us conviction today. We're so distracted that probably by tomorrow, maybe by dinner, this word will go away. The smartphone will ring or ping and then it'll all slip away. But today, for these weak, sad, Silicon Valley people like us, would you give us conviction by grace? 
Help us to remember that the gospel is the big North star and you give us power to live unto eternity. Make us a beautiful people filled with more and more love, pursuing people, living in your word, living with you. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for washing us. Boy, do we need it. And thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.